There's no music if you have no body to play it with, so take care of your body first. You getting into the gym and you lifting weights and working on muscles, is this, it's physical therapy for the benefit of your playing. The truth is nothing works like just taking care of the simple stuff. Diet, exercise and sleep. Take care of that and you'll be fine. Join us as two musicians and fitness coaches discuss strength, wellness and fitness in relation to musicians, artists and performance. Hey musicians, did you know that up to 90% of musicians will experience playing related pain or injury over the course of their career? How many hushed conversations have you heard about a lingering, quote, shoulder pain or a weird tingling in your fingers or maybe low back pain or a crampy weakness or maybe you or your colleague just says, I just have to get through the gig and you watch them pop Advil like candy, maybe flush it down with whiskey. How many times have we seen something like this? So many, right? Well, it's time we start talking about our struggles, our pain, our frustrations in a private space where we don't just complain and mobilize and blindly stretch, but we learn how to strengthen our muscles, our career successes, and build each other up. I've got a brand new program that combines all of these things, and I want you to be a part of it. It's a community, not a workout. It's a community with group coaching and great content that in 12 weeks, we'll have you understanding more about your body, what you need, and how you work so you can avoid that career-threatening injury. The three things that musicians don't want. We don't want to be injured. We don't want to have a lack of stamina. And we don't want to be clueless, aka when you hurt, who do you go see? Just a quote doctor? Well, this program addresses all of those things. You're going to walk away with an immense knowledge of who to see. You're going to be empowered because you're going to know what to do should you ever get injured or should you have a colleague that gets injured. You will be able to actually offer appropriate advice. You're also going to learn about the body and the anatomy as it relates to playing your instrument and your own anatomy. And then you're going to learn how to build not just your strength and endurance, but you're going to learn how to design your own corrective exercise program. So I hope you will join me in this new program. It's called the Music Strong Pilot Program, Job Security for Musicians. So there are all these different kinds of places where this stuff can come from, but you never know until you ask the student. <laughs> Does that help, Jen? I think so. Um, it's, I, think, I feel like it's stuff that Angela and I have talked about. <laughs> <laughs> other other podcasts, yeah. You know, um, get your get your people to somebody who can help, and the way to do that is quite. Which I know if somebody referred to me, the, I'm going to be asking them questions about like, what are you experiencing? What are you feeling? Because right. you may not be may not be the right fit for me. Maybe I need to send them to a body mapper. Maybe I need to send them to yeah. you know, right, <laughs> somebody exactly. else. Um, so I think that's I think that's still good. It's so you do like want you those resources. You, if yeah. you don't know, like, for example, I had a, a professor at a university call me up and say, <clears throat> I got this student who's really in trouble. She can't mm -hmm. play. She can't finish out the semester. She's a music major. She can't, she just, she has to stop. And I don't know what to do. So we set up a deal where we did four lessons and the instructor was there in the studio mm -hmm. watching and taking notes. And then at the end of the lesson, the last 10 minutes, she would come up to the screen and we would talk about what we did and why and how she could move forward. 
So, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of option is fabulous if we can figure it out. The, yeah. the thing is, there aren't a lot of places where people can go. I mean, they absolutely should take Alexander Technique and body mapping workshops and classes and all of that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. and, and some of us just learn piece by piece how to put stuff together. You know, you guys have done that with body mapping and it's informed what you do as well as all the other training that you've had. So mm -hmm. I don't think there's a one size fits all. I think we have to just get the resources out there and encourage teachers like these ones in the survey who didn't know that their students are in pain. We have to yeah. train them to start asking questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. <laughs> that's, you know what, that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I don't know how much longer that'd be because I'm already 70, but you know, I've got a good five years, maybe. That's what I want to do. Change the way we teach. Mm -hmm. That's the signature on my email, changing the way we teach. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's, it's so necessary because, you know, like we've talked about, um, these these teaching models go back so long and it's like you know everything in life changes teaching should also change the model should change I mean it's supposed to change and adapt with with yeah. as we learn things why does why does this have to stay the same as hundreds of years ago well, you're like well if it's not broke don't fix it well it's broken there's, there's some brokenness the, the system is broken the good news is that things are changing in a lot of places and we have a lot more yeah. teachers now who understand this and who make the effort um, especially in the flute world. I don't know about the rest of the world, but I see lots of colleagues at the university teachers yeah. who have really beautiful studios and, and they know how to support their students and that kind of stuff. But yeah. I think there's still, the majority is still, it's not that they don't know. And this is why it's not their fault. <laughs> it's that we teach the way we were taught. Mm -hmm. yeah. Basically it's a master apprentice system. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. do what our teachers told us, and we don't ask if that's true. How many weird things have people been told about breathing, and they never once asked their teacher, is that actually true? Can you show me a picture? How do you know that? Imagine a student saying to the teacher, how do you know that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can think of a lot of teachers that would not go over well with. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Right. Show, me, show me the research, please. <laughs> wow. I mean, we're not taught to question our teachers. We're just taught to accept that. I mean, thankfully, I've had I've had a couple of teachers. Um, my last ones specific, specifically, uh, Ava Amsler being the, the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, she yeah. was very much so into, she wasn't so much concerned about the end product all the time, but how are, how do you learn? How do you feel? Do you feel this? Yep. Feel, 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 and asking questions. And I would just look at her and go, what? And she goes, stop trying to please me. And I went, what? <laughs> do this. Just, like I imploded in front of her. I just was right. like, what? <laughs> She's like, what you have not to please me. Like, what <laughs> I, can, I can hear her saying it. You so, have not. I got to ask you guys a question. How are we going to do this? How are we going to change the way people teach? <laughs> That's an excellent question. Jen, do you have any thoughts before I We can moan, piss and moan about it forever, but how are we going right. to make changes? I mean, it's so, it's so slow to change. And I'm, I'm sitting here during this conversation thinking, 
at least people are starting to ask me because for a long time they didn't. And when I did get the questions, it was from um, my peers. You know, it was from people who were, when I was in college, they were teaching elementary kids or middle schoolers. And well, what do I do? Well, what do I do? And, you know, I didn't have the resources then to be able to help them. Um, but I'm seeing it more frequently now mm. with people starting to ask the question. I wish it wasn't starting. I wish it was like, no, we actually, and there's a lot of like, rah, rah, we need to do something about this. Okay, let's do it. Uh, actually doing it. I don't know if we want to do that. You know? yeah. <laughs> what do you think yeah. would but, happen if you started to ask them questions? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good, it's a good thought. Uh, I mean, a good point. So the, the school where I teach, I teach, um, I'm adjunct at Tribeca University, and the, as I understand it, the dean there, his name is David Deal, uh, Dr. David Deal, so lots of Ds. Um, he, Triple D. He, yeah, he is the, I think he's the chair of NASM with the National Association of Schools of Music. And so when, before I was an adjunct there, I gave one of my Music Strong workshops to their students and he called me in his office and he said, hey, I'm in charge of doing this whole wellness thing. Um, this is really important. Students need to know this. We actually put this in our NASM accreditation handbook that you know they, schools of music to be accredited have to show how they are keeping students healthy. The problem is um, <laughs> it can be very vague and kind of useless. I mean, it's good that they have that, but it's a start, you know, like they can, these schools of music, I've seen several of them just put something up on a website. These kids don't even know the website's there or they don't care or they don't think it applies or, 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 right. Or so it's like I, me and you go to the website and you go, this is everything that I've already been told. I, I'm, right. I'm already resting. I'm already icing. Give me something else. <laughs> give me something else. You know, give me some real resources. Where do I go for help? That's, you know, not, not this. So, uh, I mean, I've, I've, I know Lee has created a course and I've created a course that I, I think I really want to get into schools and I, it teaches teachers how to help other people. Mine isn't just teachers, but it's, it's, you know, other musicians that want to help their colleagues. They want to help their bandmates. They want to help themselves. Yeah. You know, it starts with empowering the musician to ask questions and to take agency for themselves to not just look at a teacher or a doctor as a God, but like, nope, I'm hiring you and I can fire you. <laughs> my, my, my health, this is my health and my career and my body. And I need to get real answers, not rote answers. So my thought is besides, you know, creating programs that we can put uh, in the hands of people that really want them and making them as available as possible. Like I've, my, my thought is I'm going to go talk to him actually hopefully next week because I brought up the thought of I would like my course, my job security course to be taught in colleges. And I think you guys would be great for that since you're already on that. But let's also bring up this point in the NASM accreditation book. What can we do? And if he's if he is actually the source and I don't remember, I think he is. That's where I that's what I remember. If he is, that's a huge start. You know, ask the teachers, what do they need? What resources do they need? You know, we can we can extrapolate all we want and expound on this and go, well, it could be this, it could be that. But if we don't ask the teachers, we don't ask our colleagues, yeah. then we're just guessing. What do you need? Yeah. So speaking of NASM, National Association of Schools of Music. Not this one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's another one. Sports medicine. <laughs> um, 
this might be a question you can ask, ask him. As I understand it, there, so there are guidelines for mental health, for hearing health, mm-hmm. for musculoskeletal health, and I think there's one other, I can't remember what it is. There is no guideline for pedagogy, as far as I know, about how to teach. So I would want to ask that question, and it's something that um, Chris Chesky brought up when it was, we were doing, we did a workshop with him on hearing and the body mapping webinar program. Um, and, and he basically, he's like, he was there at the beginning. He started the whole conference. When we went down to Texas at the very beginning, we were sorting all this stuff out and what do we need to say? And I was on the musculoskeletal committee with Judy Pallack and a whole bunch of other people. Um, he, and he's done a lot of research around trumpet playing and hearing, um, damage and stuff like that but what he said is that yeah it's pretty pretty much putting the onus on the student so how could we start an a i think it's called an advisory committee or something like that a group that's willing to look into what teachers can do not just how do you refer the student out to the mental health clinic or the physical therapist but what can we do in our lessons um, and this is something that dr john Chong was talking about a little bit also in a recent performing arts medicine webinar that I was at. And I asked him this question. I said, you know what we can do? And he's like, oh, like you said, Jen, it's so slow to change. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. they're working, they've, they've now got a really interesting mental health advisory that's got a lot of great stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's like a working paper where everybody wrote something, several different <clears throat> authors. So, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if, if we could help start something like that to get a conversation going at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can say this, if you're listening to this and you have some ideas, please put them yeah. in the comments, <laughs> contact us, any of that, because I mean, if you listen to this and go, oh, that's great. I have these ideas and don't do anything with it. We stay where we are. Right. right. It doesn't well, further I, the conversation. I have to say, I do have hope because just look at how fast we've changed repertoire and performances mm-hmm. with the whole Black Lives Matter thing. I mean, now almost every program that you see publicized on Facebook, which is my source of all information, um, <laughs> as a BIPOC composer or performer, people are doing all kinds of stuff. And I have been in this world since 1970 doing research on Black composers and women composers. And I've never seen anything like this. So this this is huge. We're changing really fast. We're changing really fast in the LGBTQ world. So I feel like this is a great time for us to be starting to ask these questions. Mm-hmm. If we can change this quick in other areas, why not this area? Yeah, why not? Why not? We, I think people have to know the cost of what's happening. You know, that they, if you ask a teacher and you say, do you realize that three out of four of your students will stop playing at some point because of pain? Think of your studio right now. What would they think? What would they say? I mean, that's, that's like reality. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, it's that nine out of 10, three out of four. I mean, it's not a made up number. I mean, anytime right. I go to any kind of, and I've said this before, anytime I go to a, I give a presentation and I ask the room, who here has had a playing related, any kind of playing related pain or injury? 
nine out of 10 hands go up. And I mean, that's the people who are there are there for a reason, to be fair. Yeah. But I mean, right. so selecting a little bit, but still. A little bit. But you know, even though, even when I go to places like, um, I, I just go to, uh, I teach at, um, I teach workshops at colleges or I'm uh, the residency that I do at Stetson Flute yeah. uh, Intensive. That's not self-selective. These are just these kids. And I just ask, it's the same thing. It might not be nine, it might be seven or eight, but it is still not two or three. It is the majority of the room. And uh, it's gotta change. I mean, somebody brought this up this week and I thought that was super important that the, uh, the athletic world is up in arms because 10% of their athletes are getting injured. Like, I don't remember if it was MLB or whatever it was, but 10%? And we're looking at 90% and we're not concerned and they're freaking out over 10%. No, no, no. Those, I don't want any of these numbers to be that high, but shouldn't yep. those be swapped? It's a higher incidence than meat cutters who wield sharp yeah. knives all day. I looked up the OSHA stats once. Did you really? <laughs> so like, so butchers don't have, have as high of a, or what about, I'm curious about like construction workers or any of that. I mean, you'd think they would have huge numbers, but. Not we win nice and they have more safety protocols mm -hmm. the point is i mean what do we maybe that's an interesting way to look at it what safety protocols do we need to put in place to prevent this so there's a great it. quote from when archbishop <clears throat> desmond tutu died and this quote came out and he said we have to stop looking at the people falling in the river and go upstream and find out why they fell in the river to begin with. So this is, this is what I'm trying to do is like, okay, what is causing this? And it doesn't start in high school or college. It's for me, it started when I was 10 and the mm -hmm. teaching that I have that. Now I just interesting did a survey of one of those Facebook groups where there were a lot of studio teachers and asked them, you know, how many of their students have pain or injury. And most of them said, well, my kids are all little, so they don't have it. Which is fine, but it, but that says to me, we still need to be talking about this. Yeah. Because there's a lot of precursors to injury mm -hmm. and pain. Mm -hmm. And oh, we yeah. know that kids are struggling with <clears throat> anxiety and tension. Yeah, that just means that you're not looking at what they're dealing with. Yeah, right. Um, well, especially the was... right now. Oh yeah, I was I was working with for a little bit there. I had um, two, well, a middle schooler and a high school boy in the gym with me, and they were they were athletes. They were not musicians, but um, I just they they walked in, and I'm like, even the safe stuff that I would have, um, you know, like I've got a couple people who are um, north of seventy that I've worked with over over time in the gym. Even the safe stuff that I would have the seventy plus year olds doing these kids could not do. Wow. And they had to be taught. And you know, one is like, what, 13? The other one's 15. And they're so like, their shoulders are locked up. And you could tell that they're like, not very confident. And especially the taller one, which is the younger one. <laughs> you <know>? like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're not you're not used to your height. And you're really self conscious about it. And like, okay, so if I have you as a kid who's trying to be an athlete, do any of the standard lifts that you would be taught in a high school gym setting, you're going to tear something before I even get yeah. a chance. And like, 
I wouldn't want to work with that kid in a band setting without some work yeah. physically first yeah. as well. Yeah. And, and COVID is just up the ante on all this. Mm-hmm. Kids who sat in front of a screen for a year. Yeah. Kids whose movement is limited. Yeah. They can't have recess or whatever. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's really, I mm-hmm. see it in my, my seven-year-old grandson. He's, he's tremendous amount of anxiety from mm-hmm. not having been able to have a normal life. Yeah. Yeah. Have a Kids are meant about sitting play, not sitting from the screen. Yeah. Well, that was depressing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, if we think about it, though, if we to to put that on its head, COVID has given us right. a whole lot of blessings. Honestly, yeah. I was mm-hmm. talking about somebody this more talking to somebody about this this morning. Um, like the body, I mentioned the body mapping classes. Like before, you had to travel, you had to go to the thing, you had to blah blah right. blah. Now, those kinds of things are so much more accessible because we're doing them online yep. and you have more access to them, which before that wasn't even an option. So, that, I mean, that's it's really kind of a blessing that we're, we're yeah. able to access those kinds of things yeah. much more easily. And right. that's why also I think, you know, coming out of COVID that has raised the, <clears throat> the um, awareness of anxiety among students this is a great place to start talking about, okay, what is the cost of that physical tension in the way musicians play and in Mm -hmm. the way our students play? One of my colleagues who's a university teacher said, my kids are just so wound up tight. They come into their lessons and they're like, they can't even focus because they're so anxious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. I I think it's it's an in that, that we can start to use. Yeah. And, and yeah. to help student teachers start to realize, you know, the good ones already know this, but to be explicit about how anxiety and worry and all of this stuff is deeply connected to how we play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 If you're I so mean, Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, we talk about, sorry, go ahead. No, you all three of us at once. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but we, we talk about when we're playing, you know, oh, well, we're, it's, it's musical expression, like, okay, you're expressing what's happening within you. Mm-hmm. If that is locked up in all of this stuff, are you going to express anything beautiful? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. You know, if you're so focused on, you know, if you're just wound as tight is what Lee's talking about, when you were wound so tight, and you're so, you know, hyper, just, I mean, like, social media is wonderful and awful at the same time so we're not in the real world as much you know that anxiety is too much and then how are you going to effectively express yourself when now you're really really we're instead of just thinking about hey I'm going to share my love of this with you now I'm worried about judgment even more so than before now I'm worried about criticism now I'm worried about this and what if I do it wrong and 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 you know I mean it's what you said. We're so wrapped up in that, or our students are so wrapped up in that. Mm-hmm. It's how are you going to express yourself musically yeah. and accurately? Well, and then there's that. And then if you're trying to do it right for your teacher, you're going to be fighting against yourself and creating even more tension because you don't know how to be free. So you work harder. You know, it's like on the flute, trying to hold a high note pianissimo, right? You're just like, it's so true it's true right thank you beethoven or, so uh, uh, 
trying to make a really soft, delicate entrance with a bow, you know, and, 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 and there's so much tension. And a harmonic. Arm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I had a teacher, um, I love the way he said this, when he was trying to say that instead of making, he didn't articulate it the same way, but instead of saying, you know, I want you to play this really soft and this high note, very soft, where we automatically think, can someone go, you know, his was, okay, your note is this delicate piece of glass. It's like a, like a little tchotchke that's, you know, it's a glass piece, but you have to just set it. You're not going to put it on this high shelf. You're going to place it there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how are you going to do that? You're not going to go, because you'll drop it. You got to go gentle. And there's so much more ease of movement with that thought of, I'm going to put this delicate, whatever thing way up here and go, there we go. That's so much nicer than, here we go you know <laughs> yep i think every instrument has that aspect somewhere yeah. in it mm -hmm. of overworking to to get results because we don't know what to do yeah. yeah so i was working with somebody the other day who was um creating recording for an audition and she said well i'm so busy thinking i'm just driving me crazy because i'm getting so tense i think well don't do this and don't do that and don't tighten up and don't you know and and so i just said to her you know, that's a lot of don'ts. Are there any do's in there? What should I be feeling? What could I be doing in with my awareness and with my body? And we worked through a bunch of stuff and she's like, oh, so much better. Because every time she was telling herself, don't get tense, don't get you know, tense. tighten up, it was creating more tension. Yeah. yeah. The body yeah. doesn't understand, the brain doesn't understand the word no. So you say don't, right. it takes that out and says, get tense. Yeah. yeah. Like, don't picture a cat. You're thinking about a cat. Yeah. <laughs> so so the see what thing, you do want. Yeah. The other thing I love to say is that the, the brain doesn't distinguish between a bear and a wrong note. Or a global pandemic. When, you, when the fear brain activates, it doesn't matter what you're doing. If it's triggering fear, you're going into that place where you can't think straight. Mm -hmm. And how much time are musicians spending in fear? Most of it. Worrying. Personal opinion. Personal opinion, most of it. <laughs> A lot of it. Yeah. I think so. It's taught into us, yeah. is what I feel like. And see, this is why I have to think about this as a whole system, because it's not just about mental health. It's not just about physical health. It's not just about mindfulness. It's all of this put together because we are whole beings. We're not separated out into specific parts. And in order to really address these issues, we have to think of it from that perspective. That's my bias. I'm proud of it. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right on this. I mean, there's yeah. been such, uh, such, a, such more of a focus lately on mental health, which is wonderful, but your brain to is the in exclusion your body. of physical health. Yes, your brain is in your body. Your emotions are housed in your body. Let's not forget the rest of us. We don't have a word for that. You know, Gestalt is the German word, which kind of means something like that. But in English, we don't have a word that encompasses your whole state of being. We don't. Mm -mm. No, I keep trying to use the uh, the Alexander capital S self, and people just keep getting confused. <laughs> Yeah, as close I, as we get. I do talk to people about the state 
you're in. So if you're in a state of worry or a state of fear, that is like everything about it. It's, you know, it's, it's full, but um, that doesn't mean anything to everybody. Right. How, do you, how can you change your state? Because we want to empower people to make these changes. And I can take somebody from fear and worry to love in two minutes, one minute. It's easy, but nobody's teaching them how to do that. Right. And that it's related to playing their instrument. Well, I, I feel like, in personal opinion again here, I feel like a lot of musicians don't understand how to differentiate those states anymore. Like a lot, a lot of the ones, a lot of the ones that I'm, I see, again, this is me, I, I'm very much an observer. So, you know, I love that. What I see in them is, uh, okay, there's going to be a little bit of noise here, so I apologize. But um, what I see in them is that they're, they live so much in, um, anxiety and depression and and that very much um, sorry I'm thinking of a, of a circle here but but those those sort of subdued states where you are we tend to associate them with negative things they do have a function but overall we tend to be in this very negative place and it becomes so normal that you forget that the other states exist, the happy exists, the the love exists, yeah. um, the self-love exists. So, you know, it, it's like, well, no, I don't feel upset. I'm not, this is not weird or, or bad. This is, this is normal. Like, no, yeah. it's not. So, so we, I, I like the new <laughs> word that people are using, normalized. We've normalized that way of being, that this is part mm -hmm. of who you are as a musician. I can't be good enough. I can't make enough money. You know, mm -hmm. all the things that we've just been talking about. And, and mm -hmm. yeah, we need to de we need to normalize joy and, and curiosity and, and excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. The things that we came to the instrument with. Exactly. And most people that oftentimes, that. yeah, lost, that's why I use the words joy and ease. Cause when I was doing my market research, people were saying, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't have the joy anymore. Mm. And mm -hmm. I can relate to that. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Playing pain for 30 years. Yeah. 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 So we have we have some plans going forward, I think. Like how do we change this? So I mean it's been a really great conversation of yeah. of yeah. a lot of aspects of this, but going forward, you know, if if you guys have who are listening to this, if you have thoughts on this, please reach out and leave comments and wherever you're listening to this or or you know, hit us up on our social media because we don't want to stay in this state. We can talk about the problems and be you know, they've been talked about to death, I feel like sometimes. So it's, <laughs> let's, let's get on a path of how do we change this instead of just continuing on? Okay, so we're all injured. It, I mean, but it's funny, because I mean, you just mentioned that, like, how many of these teachers don't know that their students are dealing with this? So I mean, there is still a degree of that that needs to be taught to, to, to people, but. Right, but not researched in, in that same way of proving whether or not there is an injury. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> well, this point, I, yeah. I, um, I will say right up to from up front to people, I'm not a researcher. You know, I'm just not. I live in the practical world and this mm -hmm. is what I see. This is what's happening. And people tell me stuff that they don't tell anybody else. I'm sure you have that same experience. They don't tell their teachers. They don't tell their parents. They're, they don't tell it, certainly don't tell their conductors. Um, so this is, this is real life. And, you know, you can do a whole bunch of qualitative research if you want, but there's, there's still a lot to learn from those of us 
for in the trenches? You know, I'll never forget when I was at, a, I was actually at FSU and I had a concert and I've been wearing earplugs since, I don't know, 10th grade um, because my ears hurt. Everything was so loud. And, and I have, you know, documented no hearing loss because I've been wearing those earplugs for so long. But the conductor, you know, I'm, he's right here. And he saw me put those in and he looks down and he goes, you're not wearing those. And I said, yes, I am. He goes, no, you're not. And I said, yes, I am. He goes, I don't want to see those. And so I put my hair over my ears. And I was like, these are my ears. Shut your face. We're not, you're not going to argue with me about this because I will not back down. What are you going to kick me out of school? I mean, why would I wear those? I mean, why was that a personal affront to him? That still bothers me. Oh, it doesn't take much to offend a conductor. Uh, (laughs) I was married to one for 30 years, so. (laughs) There you go. But, you know, I was just like, you know, and now we're finally getting talking about not just tinnitus, but hearing loss. And why is that normalized? It doesn't have to be. And so I know here in Nashville, I see musicians wearing these specialized earplugs and in-ear monitors. Exactly. Oh, wait, what is that? I, I know somebody who has one of those. My hearing aid. Yes, yes, but isn't it like uh, adjustable, right? That's adjustable. So she has one that looks just like that. It's adjustable to different frequencies as like a musician. Yeah. She's a flute player. Is that what that is? Yeah. That's but I don't so ever adjust it very much. But it's, it's just nice to know that's an option. You know, it doesn't make you less than or, you know, impede my ability. And I wear earplugs 100% of the time when I play piccolo or when I'm in an ensemble. Yeah. I don't care what ensemble. Yeah. It's too loud. Nothing wrong with that. So I'd like to um, close out by offering a couple of things to all you wonderful listeners. If you're interested, may I do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I've created this really fun quiz about your teaching style how do you teach and what are the things that you like so it's called on i'll put it in the chat online teaching style and then i really want to invite anybody who wants to have a conversation about their teaching or if they're in pain and they want to have a conversation about that i will offer a complimentary consultation um, for a half hour it's a 200 dollars value so if you want to do that i'm just going to give you the link for both of these, put them in the chat. There you go. Perfect. Um, yeah, we'll make sure they get to, I'd be happy to talk to anybody. Yeah, those will for sure go in the show notes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm doing right. what's coming up for me is I'm doing a what I call a mini course. It's a five day mini course where we have a short video each day of the week and then a longer workshop on Saturday. In I'm doing it in February because um, I know this is being broadcast later, but I'll be doing more later on in the year and at some point. Um, oh, I guess I should put my website in. Oh, that's okay. We'll get it from you later. Don't get that. Okay, <laughs> you got all that. Always. Oh, good. All right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So you're doing a, what was that one more time? You're doing a? A mini course mm-hmm. uh, next next week. Okay. So, okay. yeah, but. But so you'll, I, you'll be bringing gonna, that back. Yeah. Okay. It's not going to help you guys because this will be airing after the course. But I'll have That's another okay. one. Exactly. And people can reference this and they can still reach yeah. out to you and ask, you know, ask about that course yeah. and when you're going to do it next. And so where are the best places for people to find you? If you can just say those um, for our audience. On my website, musicminuspain.com and on Facebook. Outstanding. I'm on Facebook okay. a lot. And uh, yeah, you can always send me a private message or um, an email through my website. Oh, that's possible. I'm always, I'll talk to anybody. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Lee, yeah. thank you so, <laughs> so much for coming to talk to us. I have really, I don't know about y'all, but I have really enjoyed this conversation. This has yes. been fun. I just love talking about this stuff. And thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really oh, grateful. <laughs> <laughs> we very much appreciate your time. Very much. Very much. So great to you, Jen. I love your perspective. Thank Someday you. I get to you in action. Hopefully, hopefully <laughs> we'll make it work, right? <laughs> yeah. You guys go check out Dr. Lee Pearson at musicminuspain.com. We'll put all that information in the show notes so you won't miss any of it. Um, if you will do us a favor, if this resonated with you, please share with somebody, like us, and please leave us a review. That's, that's the only way that we can get this information out to people is if you guys interact with us. So wherever you're getting this podcast, if you would leave us a review, leave us some comments, rate it, review it, that will really help all of us. And I know that we're all on the same page and wanting to reach as many people as possible. And this is how we do it. Yep. <laughs> so thank you all for joining us and we will see you next time. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you.